Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome back to another GeoMob podcast. This evening, I'm going to be talking to three guys from Barcelona who've come up with one of the most engaging games that I've seen in ages. Who wasn't enchanted by the simplicity of Wordle? Who didn't admire it when the author sold it to the New York Times for a million or two million dollars? I'm guessing quite a lot of you were impressed by that. Well, there have been quite a few variations on the Wordle concept, including several geographic applications. And the original one was something called Worldle, which exploded onto the interweb one weekend. I tried to get the developer to come onto the podcast, but we just couldn't get that to work. So today I'm chatting with Jordi, Luis and Ferran of Contriel. And the first thing we're going to do in a minute is ask one of them to tell us how the heck you pronounce that. Is it Contriel or Contriel or what? Anyway, and then later on in the show, we've got another guest joining us, Giuseppe Salazzo, who's an old friend of Geomob and a great pal of mine. And he's going to be talking about his Geo-Wordle clone, which is called Wardle, and which is based on UK parliamentary constituencies. So you're going to hear about two different applications, both games around geography. So first up, let's talk to the guys from Countryal. So Ferran, Luis and Jordi, Welcome to the GMR podcast. Introduce yourselves one at a time and tell us who you are, what you do, and then we'll get on to Contrail. Luis. I'm going first, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for having us, Stephen. I mean, we're really glad to, to be here and have the opportunity to talk about the, this game that we've built, uh, that we're going to pronounce later on. Uh, my name is Luis and I, I am a PhD in physics, so I've done a PhD in physics. And I work as a product engineer uh, for a software company. Um, yeah, that's that's a little bit about this. If you want to okay, look. and where are you living, Luis? I'm living in the UK, in Edinburgh right now. Right, but you're also from Barcelona originally. That's how you know these other two guys, I guess. Yeah, that's right. We've been, so we all come from a small town in near Barcelona. So we, we know each other since we were like very young. <laughs> Wow. And okay. Yeah. Now we are in this project together, which is, is a lot of fun. I agree. A lot of fun. So, Ferran. Hi. So, yeah, um, I'm a geographer. I, well, first of all, we are six. We are a group of six, but we are three doing this podcast. So, I am the geographer one. It's just me. And I work as, a, as, a, as an environmental technician. I don't know what to say. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, uh, here uh, in a small town near Barcelona also. And yeah, the, that's most. Okay. And that leaves Jordi. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm a computer engineer. And during the day, I work on computers. And then when I close my laptop, I open the other laptop and I work on things like that with country and everything. So I am the guy of the tech here. Okay, so let's get this out of the way. How do you pronounce this thing, country ill? Yeah, it, that, that's a tricky question because we are we are from 
Catalonia, we are from Spain, so we are used to to say country le or wordle. Yeah, you say wordle, but there's people that say wordly. Yeah, ah. But yeah, in English it has to be country. No, we can call it country le. Yeah, we can call it yeah. country le. So okay. we don't know. Actually, some of our friends will be happier if we call it country le, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay. So we won't get into the the language issues in Catalonia, I don't think, because otherwise we'll need about two hours for this podcast. But yeah. Okay, so country le. Some one of you, Jordi, explain what it is for the people who haven't yet played it. By the time we're finished, everybody is going to be playing this game, but explain what it is. Okay. At the end, Comtril or Comtrile is a game where every day there's a new choice to do. I mean, there's a new country that you have to guess, and we give you some clues that helps you guess that country. We say, okay, how many people there lives? It's more or less than your choice. Uh, it, it has a higher or a lower temperature. And with different stats, you have to guess which is the country that is that day's guess. And it's like kind of a wordle, but with countries and with different stats that you have to try. And you can get closer and you see some like some green lights that says, okay, you are getting closer to the right guess, or red lights that say, okay, you are not that good. It's a really fun game, guys. I've got to tell you, you know, when Wordle burst onto the the landscape, you know, my whole family got obsessed with doing Wordle and sharing it. Um, but, you know, after a while, you start to get a little bit bored. And this is just great, you know, because you give those clues, which makes it really engaging to follow the clues. So is it in the, you know, is it in the Northern Hemisphere or the Southern Hemisphere? Which continent is it in? And all of these things. Um, and it's really great fun. So once again, for all the people listening to the podcast, if you haven't tried it, go and find Country or We'll put the link in the podcast notes so that you can find it and go and play it. Um, so, Luis, are there a lot of people playing this game at the moment? Um, yeah, actually, I mean, well, what's a lot of people, right? But for us, uh, we launched the game uh, three weeks ago and we shared it to some friends and we had like, at some point, 200 people playing, but it died out eventually. Mm -hmm. But then we shared it on Twitter and it got accepted so well that uh, now like twice the people of um, Vatican City is playing it uh, every wow. day. So that's, okay, I'm not trying to, to look smart here, Vatican people, so I had to wheel it up. And <laughs> Vatican people has 800. <laughs> okay. So you've got like a 1, thousand, fifteen hundred still growing. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still growing? It is, yeah. I mean, I don't know <laughs> where is the ceiling, but but for now we're we're still growing. So do you think um has this got a long life or do you think it'll disappear in a few weeks' time? That's a tough question, I have to say. I mean yeah. we we are having more success that, uh, than what we thought we'll have. Um, and, yeah, I mean, judging from, from World War, it looks like people are really engaged by this kind of game. So yeah. we hope to find a place in, in people's routines as well. Um, we'll aim for, 
to be alive for as long as possible. Great. Okay, so so where have you got the data from, Ferran? Where does the data for this come yeah. from? Because okay. you're the geographer, so I'm guessing you're the one to ask this question. <laughs> yeah, but but we have one that is uh, that he studied statistics. So you know we were like like uh, working together. So most of the data is uh, open source, open source, and then well the countries for the moment are the countries that are recognized by by the U- UN. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen with a lot of countries <laughs> and nations and yeah, you know, so we don't want gotcha. to, yeah, we want to be sure. So, <laughs> so you get, yeah. where do you get the things like the temperatures from? Yeah, the, temp- the temperature is from, uh, uh, I don't remember now, but uh, I have it, I have it, I know. Uh, yeah, it's uh, from the average temperature. It's from the uh, the climate change knowledge portal. It's like right. a, a big uh, a big ba- database that it has like uh, fifty years of average temperature by by every country. So it's, wow, it's great. Yeah, and there's some good. There's some surprises there actually. I found with the temperature because yeah, you. Th- it's the average temperature for the whole year, I'm guessing, or something like that. Yes, it, it's uh, the whole year. So yeah. maybe Spain is like 14 or 15 degrees. The, the, yeah. It's like freezing in here. But yeah. From, I don't know, I think that it's Canada. The, mm-hmm. Well, a little bit of a spoiler. Canada or, or, or Russia, that is the, the coldest. Well, yeah. It's not a surprise, isn't it? No. <laughs> but, but it... It's a tricky one. You know, you're looking at this data and you're thinking, so where will this country be? And you can say, well, it's going to be southwest of here and it's going to be in the northern hemisphere. And then you look at the temperatures and you're thinking, where's going to be that hot in the northern hemisphere? Or where's going to be that cold in the southern hemisphere? It's it's great. It's great. Yeah, so, true. so Jordi, when you were building this, there must, you're, you're the computer scientist guy, aren't you? Right. Um, there must have been some challenges. It, it couldn't have all been easy. What went wrong? Well, at the end, the first thing that wasn't that easy was to came up with decisions with six people. I mean, all of us wanted to put different things, and that was the first step <laughs> to agree all on something. But then it was on the different statistics. For example, on the location, we had some issues that when there are some similar positions or there are some limit countries, we don't know exactly where to place it. And if you are on the right side, there's a country on the right. I mean, on the right of the China, there are the United States, but in the maps is the left. So there are like these small things with the statistics that we have to check exactly what to do in each situation. And there are like a lot of things. Also, what, as Ferran said before, what's a country? We, for a moment, we have a list, a list, but we don't know what to put, what to remove, and all this information, it has to be very careful what to put and what to not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a, a really important because uh, it's a one there or is yeah you know so yeah for every people you make happy uh, yeah there is a thousand other people that is not <laughs> about your decisions so yeah and I'm guessing that um, 
before the year is over, we may have to change the list in country as well because uh, countries change. Uh, but the United Nations database is a good place to be starting. So where do you... Is this just running on a tiny little server or does it need lots of horsepower to make it work? No, at the end, it's a very little website that is hosted in a small server. Right, okay. So I guess a question that lots of people listening to this who um, have these ideas to, I could build a website or an application to do something, and it's a side project, you know, this isn't your job. Um, is there a, a long-term, is there a business model, an idea to make money from this, or is it just for fun? Um, I think that as things are right now, it's just, it's just for fun. I mean, we we were not thinking about making any money or, you know, like making it grow. We're not expecting to have the success. I mean, that we are starting to have. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Okay, that's cool. That's really cool. What I would say, um, having seen a couple of other projects like this in the past take off, is that it certainly raises your profile. You know, if you are technical people and you're looking for the next job um this is a great way of raising profile but wonderful that there are going to be no adverts and that there's no business model associated with this people tell me that i'm always focused on business models but actually i think people doing things just for fun like you guys did is fantastic and just having an idea and and having the ability between you to make it a reality is great and it's a lovely thing so have you got another one up your sleeves? I bet you have, because Geordie said that you had to negotiate what you were going to build. So that says you had another idea that the guys wanted to build. Yeah, everyone has his ideas. And yeah, we have one idea, but it's like, I don't know if we can say it. Yeah, we can. We can? Okay. Uh, it, it's like... Uh, uh, like the warder, but um, for uh, for football players. Ah, yeah, good one. We actually it's... found out that uh, someone else did it first. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. this is the trouble, isn't it? You know, the people, you know, everybody's out there now trying to make games, and you know, the ideas are going. But I bet you find, come up with another one. So, if people want to be in touch with you. Um, if they want to suggest an idea for the next game to you, if the New York Times decides that they want to buy Cantrilla, uh, if, in case you're listening, New York Times, I've got their email addresses, but yeah, just let them say, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, okay, so, so we have uh, Twitter, that it's at uh, Real Country. No, yeah, it's Cantrilla. APP, yes. <laughs> and then we have our Gmail that it's uh, realcontril at uh, gmail.com. Okay. And we'll put both of those into the show notes so that anyone who wants to be in touch with you guys can look you up on the show notes. So, Luis, Jordi, and Ferran, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. Um, Stay safe in Barcelona or in Edinburgh, wherever you are. Keep coming up with great ideas and 
Hopefully we'll get to see you talking at a Geomob event in Barcelona in the not too distant future as well. So take care and thanks a lot, guys. Thank, Thank you very much for joining us. So thanks to Luis, Ferran and Jordi for their fascinating Country Lee product. And now it's my great pleasure to welcome onto the podcast my great friend. Uh, he's a regular at Geomob. He's been working in open data for over a decade now. Uh, my friend Giuseppe Salazzo. Hi, Giuseppe. Hi, Stephen. Great to have you here this morning. Um, so... Giuseppe, you've gone and produced this game, Wardle. Um, I, first of all, you better explain what Wardle is um, and what inspired you to build it. So Wardle, my version of Wardle, actually, it, interestingly, all these things sound to me the same. I don't know if it's just my Italian or, or they are absolutely homophones also in English. Uh, but Wordle is a way to, it's a variant of the original game in which rather than guessing words or guessing countries, you guess uh, actually a local authority in the in the UK. Uh, there are actually two versions of it that I've launched. One has been more successful than the other. So one is about local authorities and the other is about parliamentary constituencies. Uh, they're both quite niche, I'd say. Uh, areas of knowledge. Uh, there are about, <laughs> however, 343 con uh, local authorities and 650 constituencies in the UK. Um, yes, and the game clearly comes from that uh, pedigree of applications that were started by the original Wardle, uh, which was the Ward game. Yeah, so we've got Wardle. Wardle, which is a riff on the name of the guy who invented Wordle, but it is based on the game invented by the French developer who we only know as Tutuf, and we'll talk about him in a minute, uh, which he called his Wordle. So for those of you listening, very carefully, we've got Wordle, where the L comes after the D, which is a word-based game. Then we had Wordle, where there are two L's, one before the D and one after the D, uh, which is a game based on the outlines of all the countries in the world and which is intensely frustrating and wonderful, in my opinion. And then Giuseppe managed to get up with a double pun because his, his game is called Wardle, and it's after parliamentary wards or local authority wards, which are the subdivisions of, of the constituents. But it's also based on Giuseppe. Well, the, the fact that basically the original word game, Wardle, is itself a pun on the creator's name, which is Josh Wardle with an A. So pretty much my game is called the same way as the original creator of the word game, which is a wonderful circular pun to begin with. And if anyone listening to this isn't confused now, then <laughs> I'm astonished because I'm confused. So so let's get to the actual game, right? Yeah, so the, the, the dynamic is very simple. So once again, I'll, I'll, we will talk a bit about how I created this, which basically just to, uh, to give a bit of a spoiler, is fundamentally a copy of the Wordle game, the one developed by Turtuf. Um 
basically what the game is, you have six attempts at guessing a local authority by looking at its boundaries or the parliamentary constituencies uh, by by the same. Now, what's interesting about the game, I think, is that first of all, it's very niche. Uh, and I mean, I'll give you a bit of numbers about that. But fundamentally, it's interesting because uh, local authorities and parliamentary constituencies don't necessarily follow uh, the boundaries of you know geographic features uh, in the country. Clearly, we have a few uh, local authorities that are islands in the UK. I can think of the Isle of Wight, for example, which was on uh, in the, the, the game of a few days back, which is immediately recognizable. Uh, you have interesting boundaries, for example, in, in Cambridge, where you can actually tell that it's Cambridge because uh, you have a situation of almost a boundary that includes other boundaries, uh, which is also very interesting. Uh, but fundamentally, it's not something that people necessarily relate to. Uh, it's, it's, you know, people live their lives sometimes in the local authority without having a clue what the boundaries, what the, you know, the geographical shape of that local authority is. So I found that interesting. And, you know, I love a good pun. Uh, so whenever, <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I, I decided, you know, I need to do this. Now, what's interesting about this is that in reality, the game is not based on words. It's based on um, higher level boundaries. Uh, yeah. Why is that? So because my first initial idea was, you know, to do a good pun, let's try words. The problem is that there are about 9,000 words in the country, which clearly make it impossible to guess. To complicate matters, many of those words will have similar names uh, or the same name across different local authorities. Uh, so that would be an incredibly impossible game to, to guess. Uh, and clearly the, the shapes of words become even more difficult to guess for, for, for anyone who's not probably a, 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 you know, an obsessed ONS statistician. I can think of two people maybe in the country who could have yeah. at that game. And the other problem that you've got with that, because I have to confess, when I play Worldle, I have one tab open with the game and I have a map of the world open next to it so that I can look at the map and sort of think, okay, so I've got to go southwest from this place to that place. How far is that? And I can roughly sort of do this by looking at a map and playing the game. But there's no no readable map that shows all of the um the wards of the uk i mean it would you know you can't get a map that you can read with eight thousand things on it no, but you can find however maps of parliamentary constituencies and maps yeah. of local authorities so that's definitely an easier to guess um feature uh, that said the way i'm using it is, is fundamentally as a geographical location within a guessing game uh, because, you know, sometimes you do recognize features that give you an idea where in the country that local authority might be. Uh, and then, you know, you adjust your guess by by looking at the yeah. how far away you are, what's the percentage. Actually, I, I've just found out there's a, well, it's not a bug, it's a feature, but I need to fix it. it, it the fact that when you are 99.9% close to the place you're guessing, you still get 100%, which is not quite right. Like yesterday, there was this case in London, where local toys clearly will be very, very close to one another. And someone told me, hey, I have a 100% match. However, it's it's not quite the right, uh, which makes sense, clearly. I mean, and, and yeah. it's part of, you know, it's a reflection of how um, local authorities, you know, boundaries are, are drawn in, in places yeah. that are highly populated as, as London. Yeah, and also you can get, I guess you're using centroids. Yes, yeah. And, and, and sometimes the centroid of a polygon can sit in 
and uh, in the adjacent polygon, which is going to give you all sorts of nightmares with this I would say this is actually where I start giving a lot of credit to Turtuff for yeah. the engagement is done with this game online because that's actually something that applies also to countries. So if, let's say, you, your guess is the US and you guess Canada, you will get the distance as the distance of the centroids, uh, while actually the distance of the boundary is, is obviously zero. They, they are mm. uh, close. So, yeah, I think that I, don't, I can't imagine any better way uh, than using centroids, for example, for, for that. And the fact is that most of the people who are playing the games are not sort of hardcore geographers, so uh, they probably don't even understand what we're talking about at this moment. No, that's true. However, I also have to say, that, so one thing I did that I completely ripped off the uh, the Twitter code on this is to actually allow people to share their, uh, you know, their, their results using the Wordle um, hashtag. And that's an interesting story about that as well, because there's another game now that uses the same hashtag, uh, which is a Major League Baseball guessing game. Uh, I have right. no idea why Wordle is, is a you know a hashtag that matters in that. But anyway, um, so w w what you have there is that I can see more or less people who are playing it every day. That there's a few people who are playing it every day, and I'd say probably the people who are really into this game will be either geography geeks, they will be transport geeks, some of them will be people who work. With, with policy or people who are local authority officers. So I'd say the game is appealing to a niche, very small uh, demographic that we can, I guess, identify. And yeah. what I'm seeing is I have about 1,000 people playing per week. So, you know, it's not breaking my server. It's, it's you know, it's, it's an interesting amount of people who tend to stay a couple of minutes on the website, which means that they are sort of trying uh, several attempts. And, and that's, you know, I think interesting yeah. because I've, I've pretty much done this just to do a pun and to play it myself. And then it turns out that there are people out there who are playing it after a month that it's gone out. So let's just talk about um, Turtuff. Um, and I think the first thing we have to say is that this guy, I think it's a guy. I mean, we don't even know, but let, let's say it's a guy for the moment. This person is a French developer living somewhere in the southern part of France, as far as I know. Yep. Um, he has the Twitter handle Turtuff, um, which I'm sure means something to our French listeners, and one of them will mail in and tell us what it means, because I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, and he's chosen to stay anonymous, which is, yeah, it's yep. okay. It's cool. Yeah, yep. that's what he wants. Fine. Well, well, um, at least I think, yeah, I couldn't find a lot of detail. However, his you know, GitHub account is quite full of interesting things. Uh, and uh, big credit to him. First of all, um, he shared his own source code with an MIT license, which meant that I could basically uh, download and adapt it. Uh, but the other thing I'd like to say here, so although you know people perceive me as a techie often, I, I've never been like a professional coder, and you know a lot of my projects are you know putting together some very dirty looking scripts to make something work, uh, you know for the pleasure of getting to the result rather than for the the high quality of the code. So when I had a look at Turtuff's code, the first thing that came immediately uh, to me is how high quality and very well structured that code is. Uh, just to clarify here, he, he's done this application in in a set of technologies that um, I, I think, I mean, I, once again, I, I'm, I'm quite hands-off on this, is React using uh, TypeScript as the programming language, and the whole thing it, it runs on Node. 
and and I've never used any of these technologies before in my life. Um, so you know, I had to basically just hack it together. And the code is so well written and so well documented that I didn't have to do much. Uh, I, you know, it took me just a couple of hours in an evening to put it together. Um, and the the only adjustments I had to make that code were clearly to replace the let's say the dictionary of uh, locations from countries to local authorities and constituencies, and then to make some adjustments on the way the percentage is calculated, because clearly we, we're not talking about the whole world, we're talking about a much smaller uh, scale of the world. Uh, but even that was incredibly easy because the code is, is really well written. Um, so, you know, I, I, in a way, I credit to him for, for doing that. And, you know, it, it's really good. And I just want to say that... Um... When Worldle first exploded onto the Geo, Twitter, interweb, whatever, um, I reached out to Turturf and asked him whether he'd record a podcast, and um, he said that he didn't want to. Um, you know, he said it very nicely, I mean, but he just didn't want to do that, and I suspect it may be that he wasn't comfortable talking in English. You know, he writes perfectly well, but... Um, but um, for anybody who's interested, um, he uses coffee, K-O-F-I, um, as a great means of making donations. And I know, because I've been on his coffee, you can see he's made, I don't know, a couple of thousand dollars or euros maybe in donations. Maybe it's gone up by now from the last time yeah, I looked. I have to say but, I have donated myself as, yeah. you know, as a token thank you to, to you know, yeah. having released that fantastic code base. But you also, Giuseppe, and hats off to you, on your Wardle site, you've put a link to his coffee so that people can buy the originator of the original source code a cup of coffee if they want to. And I think that's a great thing to do. You know, I'm honestly... I haven't done a, a huge amount of work in this. I mean, the, the amount of work that he's done in this is clearly a hundred times more than, than what I did. Uh, so I, I, in my case, my only real expenditure is my, my server, which is holding up pretty well. Uh, the, the thing I had to say about his um, infrastructure, so to say his code framework, is that Node can basically compile into a static website, uh, which basically means that the website is uh, not overly computationally intensive, uh, for my very limited server, uh, and and I think that's another interesting thing that made me reflect about you know the technology choice. This is something that looks good, that is easy to uh, modify because I, I found it very very easy you know, to plug plug in my my own uh, data, and that it runs very efficiently. Um, so you know if anything, I've learned that probably I should look at these technologies a bit more. Uh, cool, cool. <laughs> So I just realized when, when I was getting ready to chat with you that um, this isn't the first time you've spun something up because you put the, what is it, polygrams? Or pa- poly- polyengrams, yes. Polyengrams. Um, so that was another one of your side. You have loads of side projects, don't you? Yeah, so polyengrams is weird. So all these things, as you can imagine, and as very noticing, um, I have a bit of an interest in things that are administrative uh, and political. Um, and polyengrams is basically itself a, um, it's not a ripoff because I couldn't find the code, so I had to write the code from scratch, uh, but it's a copy of the concept of the Google Books Engrams viewer. So Google Books Engrams viewer is something that allows you to to see how word frequencies um, 
change over time in, in literature, which is very, very interesting. And I, I took that concept and adapted it to uh, transcript of parliamentary sessions. So as you might know or you might not know, the UK Parliament has a, um, a transcript. It's, it's not quite a verbatim transcript, but it's mostly verbatim. Um, and it's available fundamentally from, let's say, the early 19, um, 20th century um, in, in that specific form. And my society does a very good job at uh, taking the transcript from the official website and making them into a, a standard XML that can be uh, then reused and analyzed. So I, I basically created that application for Hack Day. It took me about eight hours. Uh, I did some bits and pieces to, to fix it over time. But fundamentally, this is a hack that has been alive since 2014. Uh, and to my surprise, it's been used in uh, academic research. And it's even been used on TV because uh, ITV, uh, Peston on Sunday, used it a few years back to, to show how uh, mentions of Russia and Soviet Union have been changing over time in parliamentary debate. So that's probably been my longest uh, surviving hack. Uh, but it's still a hack. I mean, whenever yeah. people ask me about how, how does this work, I mean, I'm surprised it does. <laughs> because of a collection <laughs> of you know scripts and, and, and you know programs that uh, allow me to do that, but yeah, I do have a liking for hacks that have something to do with learning and, and with with politics and with you know, with with public sector stuff. I'm a public sector geek, you know that. Yeah, yeah, and I think it also is it's an example of how in an open source and open data because Wardle's built on open source code from Tutuf. It's built on open data from the Ordnance Survey. Um, you know, Parliengrams was built on open source data that was reprocessed by my society to make it available and open source code fragments that you found elsewhere. Um, and it is does show how we can all build on top of the work that other people have done and uh, the real advantages of an open data and open source community. It is, and it, it's great learning. It, it, it's great that you can do these things. In, in many cases, of course, uh, there's always that question about how do people you know, eat? How do people get money by doing these things? What I have to say is that, to me, these projects have been often the opportunity to do then something else. Uh, so in a way, I've always used this project, first of all, to keep myself fresh with technology because I like to learn technology. Uh, but sometimes they've been instrumental in developing my thinking around things like open source, open data or, or elsewhere. I mean, I, I, you know, I have a job at, at the NHS at the moment. I did use parliengrams to answer one of the interview questions. Um, so sometimes, you know, uh, the side yeah. gigs are actually useful. Uh, although I have to say, I do most of these things just for fun, uh, and I really enjoy it. So, last question for you: um, You've had Parliengrams, you've had Wardle. What's next? Oh, who knows? What are you thinking about? <laughs> Come on, insight into the next side project from Giuseppe Salazza. I don't know because many of these projects come to me literally on you know on the spur of a moment. I see something, I said, "Oh, wouldn't it be nice if something existed?" And then I go and do it. Uh, I have some limitations in, in what I I know and you know technologically I can sensibly do. And this one, you know, doing the Wordle was probably a bit of a stretch because I I started from a technology that I didn't know and didn't understand to begin with. Uh, but yeah, I guess 
I, you know, I, I did this thing about you know um, average faces uh, some time back, and that tells you that what I really find intriguing is always having to do with politics. Uh, or, or with, okay. You know, so we'll see how that develops. Okay, so we'll look out for the next Giuseppe Salasso masterpiece um, in the political technical sphere. Giuseppe, it's been great talking to you this morning. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Stephen. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMR podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any um, suggestions for topics that we should uh, cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. Um, You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. Um, you can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Freifogel. Um, you can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and, of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.